0: Hey, listeners, I want to tell you about a sponsor, Music Masters Collective. They're a nonprofit organization that produces unique music events, providing opportunities for fans and artists to meet and collaborate in an inspired and creative atmosphere. Every week, they host different events, all with the opportunity to learn from world-class musicians like O'Teal Burbridge, Trouble No More, former members of the band, Milk Carton Kids, Nikki Glaspie, Bill Frizzell, Sean Colvin, and many more. This June... Registration is open, spots are filling up, so check it out soon. And scholarships are available. Check out MagicalMysteryCamp.com slash HelpingFriendly to learn more. Hey, everybody. This is the Helping Friendly podcast. This is episode one thirty three. This is RJ. I'm here with Jonathan and Matt. Hey guys, what's up? I have risen. <laughs> <laughs> we are here. we are here on Easter Sunday recording. It's been a celebratory day for everybody. Um, not, I not thought really. it
2: was April Fool's Day.
0: Oh yeah, yeah, April Fool, April Fool. So I'm confused. still dead. Matt's still dead. <laughs> um, we are here to talk about the island tour. Um, also, Brad's here. Oh, April 4th. Nah. Uh, oh. <laughs> I got you.
2: I got you. You totally were like,
0: what? That was bad. That was a bad joke. It was mostly mean to our listeners. Um, yeah. Thanks everyone for, for listening. We appreciate the support and feedback. Our last um, episode, we, we got a lot of good feedback on the, the interview with Tom um, talking about his, his fish journey, which was fun. Um, so, keep the feedback coming keep the you know recommendations coming we got a lot of good stuff in the works we will be um talking with steven Haydn in in at the end of this month um if you all haven't heard he has a book um coming out on i believe may 8th does that sound right matt yeah it does um and matt and jonathan and i and brad we've been able to take a look at some of the stuff he's written and we're going to interview him about it. And, um, it's about classic rock. It's called twilight of the twilight of the gods. Um, it's really awesome. You can pre-order it right now, I think on Amazon. Um, so you should do that if you, if you like his writing, which you should cause he's good. So that's going to be fun to talk to him and we have some other stuff in the works as well, but just wanted to, um, start off by, you know, thanking everyone for listening. Um, so real quick, I think people have heard this, before, but uh, this podcast, as as with many others, is part of the Osiris Podcast Network, we're a community of music and culture podcasts, and um, we're growing every day. We we added, I think, our twenty fourth podcast last Tuesday, or Wednesday, um, which is pretty cool. It's the first first female um, driven fish discussion, which is cool. And Matt Matt has long been saying that that's that's a part of the discussion that's missing which i agree with
1: yeah we talked about that last summer at the uh during the baker's dozen um my wife who is a huge she's gotten to be a pretty big fan because of me um and goes to a lot of shows but was never kind of in the scene and, and in the online community so to speak got involved with pretty involved with the uh the Fish Chicks group on Facebook and just could not stop talking about um, how many, uh, you know, folks were involved in that and, and how engaged they all were and everything like that. And, you know, I, w- I was kind of thinking, you know, a lot of those ladies probably just don't like listening to a bunch of dorky dudes talk about fish the way that we like to. Um, <laughs> they should be having their own conversation. So it's really I was really excited to hear that that was coming together. Um, I heard the first episode and it was great. And all the, the ladies that I've uh, spoken to in the past week or so have agreed and they're all really into it. So congrats to, uh, to those ladies for getting going.
2: Yeah. I, I really like that episode as well. It was very funny and I haven't heard the word Spange said out loud in a long time and, uh, and they got there before I did.
1: So that's awesome. <laughs> <laughs>
0: um, so Jonathan, are there any other, um, Osiris podcasts you've been listening to? Any Grateful Dead ones or anything else?
2: Well, um, I listen to this one Grateful Dead podcast. Um, no, I make this one Grateful Dead podcast. <laughs> it's called the Broke Down Podcast. And it's good that you brought this up because not only were you on the last two episodes where we talked about Grateful Dead and played Bob Weir songs and stuff, and, and I don't think I lost any listeners. <laughs> um, <laughs> so we also, you were able to uh, kind of Put together an opportunity for us, you and I, to interview the Golden Gate Wingmen, which was uh, John Cadlasek and Reed Mathis and Jeff Kementi and Jay Lane, before the show in D.C. on the, what was that, the 21st? And so you and I interviewed them, and that is on the newest episode of the Broke Down Pod, which will have come out on the 3rd.
0: Yeah, So by the, by the time people hear this.
2: People that should was, check that out.
0: That was really fun because Jonathan and I were some of the only people in DC that day because of the the crazy snowstorm. So we were just hanging out and got to talk to those guys. And it was a it was a trip. This guy it was interesting. It was an interesting conversation.
2: Yeah, it was very cool. But I would say that uh, we were not the only people in DC. I mean, lots of people came out just for the show. True. Uh, they the people at the venue were like telling us beforehand that. Often, when there's bad weather on the day of a the show, they get calls about, "Well, but I have these tickets, but I can't make it." And instead, they were all calls of, "Is the show going to happen? You guys are going to have the show, right?" And uh, the room was pretty full; There's yeah. was a lot of people there. And Matt was there. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it was a fun and show. It was a lot. Of, it was a good time.
0: Matt, Matt, are there any podcasts you've discovered through the network recently that you've been listening to, or stuff that you've been been turned on to?
1: I think the uh, God ween evan um you know I'm a big ween fan, and it was cool to hear a ween podcast, so um shout out to those guys um that's I'm still kind of digging out of you know there's so much good content right now um just from osiris and and otherwise um that uh that's been great. I will one one if, if I'm allowed to make a non Osiris reference, just to, to throw back to this the Stephen Hayden discussion. Uh, his show Celebration Rock. If you're um, if you're not familiar with Stephen Hayden, uh, take the next couple of weeks after after you hear us on this episode before we have him on and familiarize yourself with uh, with his show. He I mentioned on the last episode he did a particularly amazing eight part uh, Bruce Springsteen retrospective recently, um, and also r- followed that up by interviewing Robert. Pl- right after that. So, um, he's doing some, some pretty amazing work. That's a pretty awesome get Robert plant. I mean, Jesus,
0: that was a really, that was an awesome conversation. It, it I mean, was, Robert, it was really good. He seemed way more like nice and polite. I just, I get this like seventies rocker impression of like, you know, some kind of crazy dude, but he, he was, he was, it, it was really interesting. But I also love the postscript conversation that Stephen had with the, uh, I guess the drummer from the Black Crows, right?
1: Yeah, that guy's been on a couple of times. Steve Gorman, um, he's a, a amazing guest. He had, I guess he he hosts some sort of a sports talk show on uh, like Fox so, Sports Radio or something like that.
2: That's right. I, I heard him not too long ago on a Guns N' Roses podcast.
1: Yeah. Yeah. And he's like, he's one of those guys who's not afraid to spill the beans. Like you say, Robert Plant. And I mean, he got into telling a story about how the Black Crows were out with him getting like absolutely obliterated one night in Chicago and just tons and tons of great, great stories. He doesn't hold back. So, um, yeah, check, go back through the Celebration Rock archives and and check out some of that stuff. Yeah, I
0: agree. Really? Yeah, that was fun. Um, and he's doing awesome stuff. So we're looking forward to talking to him. Um, yeah, and like Matt said, there's so much going on. We have we have you know a couple of dozen podcasts now, so people should check out OsirisPod.com for more for more um, stuff. I mean, we have beyond music, right? Parenting and craft beer and history and all kinds of like all, all kinds of really good discussions. I listened to a good one
2: the other day. It was uh, Welcome to the Party, pal, mm. which is about television and film. And their first episode was all about the most recent season of Black Mirror,
0: mm-hmm.
2: which I love that show and they really covered it. So it was pretty cool.
1: And a great title. Best title of any, Definitely. of any Osiris I, podcast. I'm
0: going to have to try <laughs> to get myself on their, uh, diehard episode. So we're also proud to be partnering with cash Um, we all use it to find tickets, to sell tickets, um, whatever we can do to, to not get screwed over on tickets, you know, um, Cash or Trade is disrupting the secondary ticket market. They are helping real fans avoid scalping and to get tickets for face value. Um, so all of us are helping to change change the way tickets are sold and, and bought and everything. And right now, man, so many of them go so fast to so many scalpers. It's really ridiculous and terrible. So um, we feel like Cash or Trade is more important than ever and and wanted to partner with them. So if you go to cashotrade.org slash Osiris, you can get 25% off a year of gold membership. Um, as a gold member, you'll be able to get push and text notifications um, every time a ticket's posted that you're looking for. You can also reply immediately and and, and get the feature to um, bump your post to the top of the list. So um, advantages to help you, help you get tickets um, when you need them. So go to cash or slash Osiris and add the coupon code Osiris when you check out to get 25% off your gold membership. So um, thanks everyone uh, at cash or trade for what you're doing. We're happy to be a part of it. People who are going to be at the Sweetwater 420 fest in Atlanta coming up in about three weeks. It's um, on April 20th um, that weekend. Uh, we're going to be there. I'll be there with Seth and, and Rob from inside out. We're going to have a, a tent with, relics and sweetwater and and inside out with turner and seth and we're going to be doing artist interviews and podcast sort of previews of the day at each day of the festival we're going to have raffles and contests and some artists are going to show up and hang out and um it's going to be really fun so if people are planning on going there make sure you check out um you know follow osiris pod on twitter or check out what turner and seth have going um and relics as well so we'll all be there so hope to meet some of you there Um, What else is going on with Fish? Trey is now doing the
1: the Trio Tour. Yeah, that's going to be exciting. I really wish that he was uh, coming through DC with that. I mean, we got a little spoiled, the fact that we got to see an acoustic show, but man, I I have a feeling about these shows. I know some people like to poo-poo tab. I I like them in general, but um, I think this is going to really, really open things up and uh, be be pretty awesome. So consider yourself lucky if you're catching one of the shows this month.
2: Yeah, the Trio shows are going to be they're going to be sick, but also, um, shout out, much love to Ray who is, uh, recovering from surgery yeah. and, uh, hopefully on the mend.
0: Absolutely. Um, and uh, besides the, the trade trio, um, we have summer tour starting in several months. I don't know. It summer feels. tour? <laughs> <laughs> there's, it's, there's shows? I guess May, June, what? Can we go? Three, three months. Um, curveball is, it's so far away, but I'm already... Kind of thinking about it. I guess it's four months from now. But I'm already packed. Jonathan's already packed. Jonathan's already there. He's got. I his...
2: totally. I've got a, I've got a duffel packed with a lot of my stuff. I got a little pile of stuff in the garage ready to throw in the car. And let's do your, it.
0: You got your tarp ready. You ready? Yep. Cool. Um, so guys, fish, um, island tour. By the time this this episode comes out, it'll be. What the twentieth anniversary of the third show? I guess the fourth. But um, what? Where? Where? How do you even start with this? We we kind of went back and forth, uh, Matt, because we were like, everyone's talking about it. Everyone's going to be listening to it. But it's like it's something that you can't really pass up. Um, it's a pretty pretty monumental run. I don't know how does it? How how would you guys enter the conversation at this point about Island Tour twenty years later?
1: Yeah. You know, I mean, I, I did, um, it's interesting cause I, I, I simultaneously was kind of like, oh, so we're going to be like everybody else and just talk about the Island tour during the Island tour anniversary week. But, um, it is, it is big. Um, and I, and that's not to say that I don't like it. I mean, I, uh, you know, my sort of executive summary on this is, I, I think there's an argument to be made that this, these are potentially the best fish run, uh, ever. Um, I mean, it's the band at the absolute top of their game. Um, and, uh, there's just, you know, so much to dig into with every show. So, I mean, it really, uh, we, it deserves the, the coverage and the attention that it, it's going to get right now. It's more
2: like Island Boar, right? Come on, <laughs> come on. I'm just here for the puns <laughs> Knew that was and to and and tease CJ. So that's for you, buddy.
0: Yeah. We got to shout out to CJ. Cause he's he's known like throughout the internet as the the island tour's biggest fan which is pretty cool if you're like known as the biggest fan of of anything let alone what Matt said like great run
1: you know there's that um awesome poster uh that was done for the island tour which rj you have a yeah. reprint of in your in your home uh we yep.
2: called out your reprint
1: damn well i mean i don't know, you know. man i don't know <laughs> i don't think i got it that day it's 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 pretty awesome um but that like for years was you know i think it's kind of like the imagery of the of the run uh mm-hmm. you know i think that they i don't know that they used it on the ticket stock or anything but it's sort of the obviously the sort of visual um identity of of the tour um but thanks to uh cj uh every time i think of the island tour i think of patrick stewart now so thank you for that that's <laughs> <laughs> fair um so one thing we should say is, I guess
0: this will come out on Wednesday. On Tuesday, Beyond the Pond is going to be talking about um, the the four three April third Piper um, and talking about music musical sort of lineages from that. So you all should check that out if you haven't already by the time you're listening to this. But to me, like the the <clears throat> going back to these shows is interesting because I never thought about it until now that they stopped playing at the end of '97, and you know new year's right and so this is barely three months later that they're back together to play these four shows i think the sound is pretty different but is that am i like jaded in the sound or am i I influenced by the sound being different because i was there or do you guys think that it's like a big departure from fall and the end of 97
2: i think there's an energy that wasn't lacking in 97 don't you know i'm not I'm not trying to imply anything like that, but I think there's just a different kind of fresher energy in these shows than you got in the fall 97 shows. And I don't know if it's just, you know, the driven by whatever bug pushed them out of the house to book this kind of last minute tour, if it was the studio work or whatever they might've been doing beforehand. But, um, you know, everybody was pumped for these shows I was not, I, w- I was sadly not able to go, but I was excited for them just at home because, you know, a short notice tour uh, because they really wanted to get out and they crush
0: it. Crush it. Well, Jonathan, you weren't able to go, but now 20 years later, you have a 20 year old. So that's kind of cool.
2: I have a 21 year old.
0: Okay. Well, close enough.
1: Yeah. Yeah. It counts. <laughs> <laughs> Matt. Yeah, I actually, I disagree with you. I think um, I've always thought of this run as an extension of the, uh, of the 97, the fall 97 sound. The way that I was trying to think of a way to describe it earlier. We, I think we talked in another episode of having this sort of descriptor of the, um, the new year's runs often being kind of like the summation of everything that they did in a year. And they tend to sort of like, not just, not just kind of, redo it, but almost like present like a, you know, like a final exam or like a thesis or something like this is what we've worked on all year. And we're going to just, kind of kind of just nail it particularly for some of the really, really great new year's runs. And if you go along with that, and I think that's definitely true of the, of 97, I think the the MSG run at, f- for new year's 97 was a really good case of that. Um, this is almost like an encore presentation of that. Um, I will say, I think that where you hear a different sound is almost like the, the different styles that they were playing and the different things that they were doing, like the, the funk jams, the sort of noisier, my bloody Valentine, um, you know, influence jams. um, Some of the other things they're presented in different proportions on the island tour. So like the funk thing, the funk thing isn't as pervasive, but it still is kind of like the underlying current of there. And, and Trey even calls it out in Cavern. He says, you know, since funk has kind of been the, you know, the theme here. Um, so you hear it, you know, we'll, uh, at various times, but it's not like every single jam they just get into the funk thing and then maybe go somewhere else. So, um, I, I think it's very similar. And I actually think that where the change happens is between here, in April and then in July, uh, when they're in Europe. Um, I think things, things start to really, really change at that point. Um, you know, this is definitely transitional. They were, they were starting to write, you know, new material and and practice it and whatnot. Um, but I, I would always peg this as sort of the end of the 97 era instead of the beginning of the 98 era.
0: Hmm. Interesting. Well, I'm going to continue to, to, uh, that's a good way to put it, though, because I would st- I would say that this is the beginning of the 98 era only because the the two one of the reasons you just mentioned the new songs, I think, bring a greater, um, I guess, proportion, as you put it, of like the ambience of the spaciness, like just the the first night, which we should get into the, the debuts of Birds um, and Frankie says, you know, two songs that immediately kind of got out there but the i guess the ambience to me is what is what's different and the be- the beginning of that sort of millennial sound that we start to hear through be much more prominent through through 99 and and 2000 but um let's get into the to the show because because people have heard enough about what what matt and i disagree about also matt <laughs> is probably right but i'm gonna keep on i'm gonna just stay
1: on my uh to stay on this horse your can we call it millennium sound instead of millennial sound because otherwise it sounds like it's this it's this sort of like disengaged <laughs> digital era and people are going to argue about whether or not it's really a millennial or not
2: I mean it's 98 too their sound changed a lot between this point and the actual I think this is I think this is end the, okay. of the century so which yes was some I, time
0: ahead I will address both of you first of all Jonathan yes but I think this is the beginning of that change Matt, I think we could, but but millennial being like the next, you know, the next thousand years. Anyway, it doesn't don't, matter. Don't
2: pander to the young people. Come on,
1: <laughs> millennium sound. How this, about that? This, these jams are not on Snapchat. All right, they're like us. <laughs> they have no idea how to touch that technology. They're way too
0: long for Snapchat. <laughs> yes. right? I believe I believe the, the 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 term millennial sound was coined by Mr. Miner, but um, so take it up with him, not me, but. Either way, so we, we're getting more ambience, but let's talk about funk because the 2nd of April, 98, Nassau Coliseum opens with Tube, which was a sweet, funky jam out of the gates because they were, um, man, they were they were really fired up and everyone there was really fired up and it was a hell of a way to start a set that was, I think, a pretty good set, that first set of 4-2. Um, I know Jonathan has thoughts about the stash. Um, the... Well, Jonathan, do you have anything to say about that first about that first set or anything that stuck out to you?
2: The stash is a particular favorite of mine, so thank you for uh, uh, inviting me to speak about it really quickly. Um, I love this staccato jam that they get into like right away, and um, I used it, I used a good chunk of that jam in the uh, in a stash mix I made years ago because it's just so out there and psychedelic, terrific. It's one of my favorites.
0: This isn't this isn't the podcast just to like plug your side projects, Jonathan.
2: The,
0: I'm not making any money on this stuff. Come on. <laughs> also, Jonathan texted me earlier and said, "Remind me to talk about stash." And I was like, "Fuck you, dude! Why don't you remember?" But then I actually just reminded him to talk about the stash. Um, Thank you, RJ. I knew you would be there for me. <laughs> Matt, Matt, what about the first the first set, or even going into the second set of the second for you?
1: Well, you know, uh, so I'll briefly touch on the first set. This is definitely the exact opposite of what you'd see in the first set of a first show of a tour or run. Um, none of the sort of hallmarks or tunes that, that they would usually play. Although I guess Stash is usually one of those, um, Stash has a tendency to be kind of the first jammy song of a show. Of a, tour or run. Um, And they do get chalk dust in there. Chalk dust. Yeah. Yeah. They, they, they do that as well. Um, But it's a solid, solid first set, especially the, you know, starting out with tube. Um, But to, to jump straight to the second set um, and we should mention that we've kind of picked sort of one jam to highlight from each of these shows. Um, The, this is a, Uh, An interesting second set because there's kind of multiple discrete sections. You know, you've got a Mm -hmm. big block with Punch You in the Eye," Simple, and then the debut of Birds of the Feather. And then you get into the middle of this set, which is Wolfman's into Sneak and Sally, into Frankie Says, um, into Twist. And then after that, I would kind of sort of put a little bit of a comma or a pause. And then you've got the, you know, sort of double – closer of sleeping monkey and Rocky top. Um, so a lot more, there, there's not amazing flow from start to finish, but there's a couple of sort of movements to the second set, um, that are really nice. Um, but, and, and we're going to talk about the, uh, uh, in particular the twist here. Um, so how do you guys, uh, feel about the twist? And I, I, know I'm the one that threw this out as, as the kind of jam to, to discuss. Do you, do you guys agree that that's sort of the marquee jam of the night?
2: Yeah, um, I, I will say I love the uh, Frankie Says. It's so, it's, it, it's I love that song. And it's perfectly weird and mellow and just, just wonderful. And then, and then we get this nice, completely out there, rather bent version of Twist. And we were playing it today in the house and uh, while we were making Easter dinner and it was, Definitely changing the tenor of the day. Um, Just gets good and weird. It's my favorite stuff.
0: Yeah, so the... I would just say that Frankie Says has not been played since Alpine Valley 2015, which I think is kind of lame because it should have come back during Baker's Dozen. Uh, A lot of good songs did not come back during Baker's Dozen despite the 200 and however many songs they played. But um, the twist... See, I think this... like. This is the first jam of uh, 98 and I think it sounds different I just I really do Matt. <laughs> I'm just gonna keep saying that over and over that I think it sounds different from 97 um no, but the it does like introduce this a greater proportion as you referred to it of of kind of ambience but also it's just it is I guess maybe some of it is that what you referred to earlier like the the soundscape stuff like my Bloody Valentine ish sort of jams but um it's pretty cool and it 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 becomes pretty um i don't know it doesn't it's not like an intense jam like a fiery intense jam but it just gets kind of like weird like as jonathan said and then what's that
2: uh the term they apply to my bloody valentine a lot um trey is definitely getting there on the guitar sheets of sound yeah sheets mm -hmm. of sound
0: like that yeah. yeah, yeah, it's yeah. really cool. And then suddenly, like, I mean, not maybe not suddenly, like, eventually, suddenly, like, Sleeping Monkey <laughs> comes out of it. You know, it's just, mm-hmm. it's crazy, man. It's a, it's a classic. Um, it's one of those jams that, like, for for all these shows, you you know, if you've listened to them a lot, you know all the notes. You know, you can and you know the segments that are coming. Like, this is one of those for me that um, I'll never get tired of listening to it. But yeah, it was it was cool. We we I had to drive all the way from from Columbus, Ohio, to New York. I think it was the first time I'd driven to Long Island, because, like, why? why? Sorry, Long Island (laughs) fans. Because I'm just saying, why, being from Ohio, would I ever go to Long Island, you know? Um, So it was a crazy, crazy adventure to get there. And um, this first night, the, the energy was just off the hook, which I think fueled this entire thing. But, Matt, to your point about this second set being sort of, like, strangely structured it seemed like they were kind of trying to figure out what to do. And maybe like the birds of a feather could have been like the jam of the set and it could have gone in a totally different direction, but then they like picked up this whole, whole second and third piece. And the, the twist was just man. Amazing.
1: Yeah. Yeah. And I think um, the Wolfman's into sneak and Sally, that's like, very on the nose fall 97 kind of stuff, um, Mm -hmm. in terms of the, the groove and everything. And then they've got that weird transition through Frankie says into twist, which I was re listening to the twist. And, and this is one of my absolute favorite jams from the entire run or or really top, top, top tier jam for me in general. Um, but so you, RJ, did you go to all four of the shows on the run? No, I didn't. I didn't go to the fifth. Okay. Which is strange. Um, yeah, that's a weird choice. So you yeah, went to you went to Rhode Island, and you only went to one of two nights.
0: Yeah, because the friends I was with had to be back by Monday to Columbus um, for class or something, mm-hmm. exams maybe.
1: Stupid class.
0: Yeah, so they so yeah, we have to make we... up
2: exams. You got to go to that family reunion, professor.
0: Yep. Come on. Exactly. I, Twenty years later, you know, go back mm-hmm. and tell nineteen-year-old my friends that. Yeah, so yeah. I'll get right on do that. that
1: you <laughs> no, but so um, a couple a couple of things that always stick out to me about this twist. First off, um, we were talking. I was talking about kind of the visual um, component of the tour. This, uh, so I, you know, of course, I wasn't at any of these shows because I'm a fucking noob. Um, but I remember <laughs> hearing about the island tour. When it was happening, even just through discussions of other bands and other message boards and stuff like that, people who were Fish fans kept talking about the Island tour. So, as I kind of made my my voyage into Fish ninety nine two thousand ish, it was one of those things that I knew existed and that I had to learn about, and that it was like one of the best you know um, parts of their career and, and some great shows. Um, but the other thing that this Run has always benefited from if you really want to dive into them is that there's great videos of all of the shows that most people listening to this have probably all seen but they've circulated for a really long time even before YouTube I remember downloading complete videos of these shows um, uh, from God further net or something or one of those you know earlier P- P2P um, uh, mm. networks um, and wanting to to know because I had heard about you know Kuroda and his amazing work and fifth member of the band and everything like that and seeing this stuff and in particular this twist that this is one of those jams where you could argue that the lights might even be leading the band Um, the stuff that he does on this twist is just amazing Um, and and something that I go back to watch all the time so I have a very very clear image in my mind of uh, visually what was going on you know even though I wasn't at the show Um, but the other cool thing to me uh, is if you pay if you listen very closely, Mike at one point starts leading the jam and he's playing a lick that sounds very very similar to the theme from Star Trek. <laughs> and um, if a, a kind of a cool little Easter egg, Easter being today, haha, Easter egg um, <laughs> oh. is that if you think back to the beginning of Bittersweet Motel, uh, there's that yep. scene at the very very beginning of the. Uh, film where they're working out Birds of a Feather and they're trying to come up with the bridge in the middle, and Paige jokingly starts playing the theme from Star Trek on his organ as they're trying to figure out and that actually kind of morphed into the way that they get out of the bridge and into the jam and birds so mm-hmm. i have to and, and and so that must have been right before this and i've got to think that somehow or another with that escalated and turned into mike actually turning this and turning into a key component of the groove of that jam so um it's always been interesting to me just a little bit of, of sausage making there and, and seeing how these things come together sometimes
0: Let's do the ending. Let's just go back to that for, like, eight times and then... Well, how, about, how about if we did this? How about if we were, like... I hear it kind of, like, just like a... like a... What, what, what you just said was really cool, though. What if it went... What if it was, like... And you just keep your right hand going like you just were, but nothing else. And you go... Oh, the Star Trek chord. that that show i mean the whole show it's like you said matt and and jonathan both i mean interesting show not i guess not all the way through as solid probably as 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 the next one but but great way to start and you know the guillotine encore to me is always just strange but you know that's that's just that's just that's just me um so I'll take it. <laughs> they come back the next night, um, Friday night, Friday night in Uniondale, New York. You know, where else would you rather be? And open <laughs> up with Mike's song. Really pretty, pretty powerful Mike's song to, to kick it off. And again, like the twist sort of from the night before dissolved into Sleeping Monkey. This Mike's song gradually kind of dissolves into Old Home Place, which is pretty interesting. Um, Yay really good and also a really good wikipog even though it doesn't contain hydrogen which makes Jonathan sad
2: sorry right. old home place is pretty cool
0: <laughs> but this whole groove is it's very unique but also the the is outrageous in, in terms of the funk the funk jam um, but really good way to start a set I don't know the the middle of the set I think some people would be sad about because you know train song Billy breathes beauty of my dreams dogs stole things. People would be fucking complaining. People would be like, I'm never seeing this band again.
1: Yeah. People. Matt, be, Matt, <laughs> uh, some people may say that, but some people can go fuck themselves, honestly, because you're talking about <laughs> like I, I contender for best two set fish show ever and uh, about this show. So I, I don't, <laughs> you know. Uh,
0: yeah. Yeah. I don't even know if these people exist. I just made that up. So, <laughs> you know, it's <laughs> hypothetical assholes. Yeah, exactly. And yeah. And some Hypothetical jerks. Um what about what, what were your highlights from the set, Matt? Uh,
1: the whole thing. I mean, you know, you start out with a Mike song anytime and you know you're you're talking about some sort of special show. You've got a reba in that. Um You know, even the songs, like like you just mentioned, like, okay, you say there's going to be, like, a little bit of a um, drop in the intensity in the middle of the set, and, okay, by the way, the songs that they're going to play are Train Song, Billy Breeze, Beauty of My Dreams, Dog Stole, things, like, that's awesome, you know what I mean? I mean, it's not, um, you know, it's not Rift for the 500th time, it's not, you know, modern day and you're listening to Ocelot or Kill Devil Falls or something like that, I mean, this is, like, legit awesome songs that, uh, were rarities then too. You know, I mean, it's train song and Billy Breeds have never been very frequently played. So I don't know how you can complain about any of that.
0: Yeah. The reboot was really good. I thought too. And the, uh, my soul closer is, is, you know, I'm not going to nitpick at this point. It was a great way to, to end a set. I remember that we were like, I was in some weird, weird hotel, you know, cause I was 19 and we were, there were like five Five of us, nineteen year olds. We didn't know what the fuck we were doing. We had no idea how to do anything. I'm surprised we were even able to get tickets to these shows. Honestly, like we must have, <laughs> you know, gone to a Ticketmaster outlet in Columbus or something. But anyway, just sitting there and like realizing that we were part of this like pretty cool, unique thing. And I think the the crowd you can hear almost throughout the entire four nights. Right, people were just really psyched to just suddenly be at a fish show again after uh, after the end of of the 97 tour. So I think that just plays out on stage too.
1: Yeah. And, 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 uh, the other thing to mention is of course, in, in the week pog, um, there's a Mozambique jam. Um, I don't know about you guys. I love some Mozambique, uh, when I go to a Trey show. Um, so that's, it's kind of cool to hear that and then how that, I guess he, that must've been composed already because he did play that with the eight foot fluorescent tubes, uh, right show later that month, right? I yeah, think that was Something like that. I think I think Sounds he played with right? those guys. Um, that was one of the original tab songs. So, um, yeah, it's kind of kind of cool to hear that in the middle and where Trey's Trey's mind was. Very obviously a a, a time of very fertile uh, creative inspiration for uh, for these guys.
0: Yeah, and like Weeekly Pog, you know, it's it's not that um, common at least in those days, to get like a real jammed out week of Pog, right? Um, I mean, given that this was like, what, 15 minutes or more, but you just, you don't see that very, very often. Um, so really cool, really unique version. Um, so I guess there, I guess the second set, I'm not even sure how to, how to enter the conversation because really this is just, you know, it's four songs. One of them's Loving Cup. So, you know, that's three songs of just, Absolute fire. Um, which with a pretty and, and good The Loving, loving Cup, cup too. has
2: fire too. Yeah. I'm, I'm sorry. I'd like, no, no. You can okay. dismiss it because it, it's short, but it's rocking.
0: They and, were, uh, they were fucking rocking, man. They were just rocking. And they, this, the Roses Are Free was, um, it's just, I mean, it's, it's one of the best. Matt, can you, can you, can you say more than one of the best?
1: Uh, this is one of, ah, oh, shit. No, I can I don't think <laughs> I can no, I mean, it's an, it, you know, once again, you're talking about a contender for one of the best sets ever. Not just not just the Roses, but like we were saying before, the Roses and the Piper and Loving Cup, but it's rip-roaring and then, an, you know, crazy antelope. And it's, it's not even like you could – on paper, you could look at this and say, well, they did the double-ender, you know, Loving Cup antelope. They might have kind of, you know, lost focus or something like that. But they're both standout versions uh, of those the, tunes.
2: The Roses and Piper are uh, like – they're a piece. Yeah, They're sweet mm-hmm. together. And you put a cap on that and then, Oh, well, we still got plenty of time. Let's play Antelope. Antelope Mm -hmm. is a hell of a way to end a show end a two night run at a venue, you know, just we'll take it at the end of every set. Thank you.
0: Mm -hmm. Yeah. And they had some of them. Obviously the guy, the guy ran up on stage during loving cup. Right. And that, that theme of, uh, going to get you keeps coming up throughout the, throughout the Antelope. Um, which is which is pretty cool, but also just like, man, wild times, wild times in Nassau Coliseum, you know,
2: you can run up on stage, but don't let Karini get you,
1: <laughs> yeah, and don't attack the drummer <laughs> yeah. and don't attack the drummer
2: <laughs> um, um, go ahead Matt. well so
1: no so the the roses um that's obviously what we're here to talk about if we're going to focus zero in on one thing from the show. And of course, it's the it's the jam out of the roses, which is you know what you're um, you're really talking about. Um, interesting that this is the this is the third version ever of "Roses Are Free." Um, they have it, you know, to a point now where they're comfortable enough starting off a set, obviously with the intention of it having being a, a big a big jam. Um, and which they've done with some covers you know at various times that you know first couple times through one that comes to to mind in a more modern time is energy when they were playing that and it was like uh-huh. you know that after they debuted it and played it once you know maybe two or three times like they came out swinging a couple times with it as a, as a set opener uh, they did that they've done it with Golden Age a couple times too but this is it's like this jam has everything that's like a hallmark of an amazing Fish Jam, right? And, you, and these are all t- themes that we've talked about before on here. A, I mean, they just they break loose from the song immediately at the end mm-hmm. of it. Um, they they don't. There's no like, okay, we're gonna kind of vamp on this on the the end of the song, and Trey's gonna solo, and after about four or five minutes, then we'll try and take it in a different direction. It's instantly. Into uh, in, in, into to type two territory, you have vocal um, sort of stylings from Fishman and then other members of the band. That once again, a lot of times in a, a great jam, you see that 18, 19 minutes into a jam, immediately they're doing things with their voices and their and their. Um, You know, contributing just beyond their instruments, it's got the sheets of sound thing. It's got a start-stop jam, uh, the the funk thing. It's got a place where you think that the jam is just going to peter out, and then they somehow turn that into another like ten minutes of jamming, Mm -hmm. Um, and then it it just graciously sort of gives way to the piper at the end. Um, in just the most perfect way. I mean, so this is, uh, I mean, it's, if you, I know a lot of people ask the question about like, you know, what would you play for somebody to, to introduce them to fish or whatever? And I, my answer is always Yem, um, just from a song standpoint, but in terms of jams, this is one of those jams where you can say the same thing. It's like, if you want everything that fish does to be encapsulated in one 25 minute segment, there you go. (laughs)
0: Listen wherever you get podcasts.
2: In uh, in the book, the uh, the Fish Companion, Steve Paolini, writes of that jam, uh, "Roses Are Free" in the Piper. It's an inner circle top fish jam of all time, which I think is a pretty accurate point um, and supports your assertions there, Matt. Uh, it's just,
1: it's just killer. Yeah, it the, is. The other thing that I'll add is that, um, and I, li- I this is in preparation for this, I, I twist my arm. I re listen to the to "The Roses Are Free" again. Um, in fact, actually watched the watched the video uh, to get the visual component. Um, it's a jam where you don't have any many places where there's an obvious leader. It's also not like a lot of drastic twists and turns or anything like that. It's very very gradual. Um, change that, that moves forward, but maybe one of the best examples of group interplay that you could ever find. Just the entire time subtly changing one thing to the next until you know after that you go around in the band and in maybe you know two or three minutes you have a completely new thing. And if you listen to it along the way, it may not seem like it's progressing that far. But if you were to take you know snapshots from you know every couple minutes in the jam they're they're very very different and they've actually you know moved the ball forward together as a team uh really well
0: Yeah, the um, Matt. One thing I was just thinking about. I don't have a lot to add on the the jam because we we've, we've said enough, maybe. But um, in terms of the ti- the timeline, maybe the late fall '97 was the beginning of a different different sound. So maybe we can eventually we can talk more about this later and write a long blog post about it. But maybe maybe we can come to a compromise and say that like. Even the holiday run, because if you think about kind of some of the dark jamming and and ambience that comes at, in parts of this, are similar to like the twelve twenty eight ninety seven and and some of the thirtieth that you really didn't hear in earlier parts of ninety seven. So it's, I don't. Know, I just kind of thought of that as we were as we were talking about this, but you hear a lot more of similarities later on in the in December um, of 97, which you would hear some of these pieces then, but some of it you just, it just sounds totally new to me, um, which is why it's so cool to go back to, because it's, it is like the, it sets up the rest of the year really interestingly and we should say that after this they, after this run, these five shows, or four shows, they go a few months and then show up in, uh, in I guess in copenhagen right um and play those play those few shows the june 30th and then july 1st july 2nd which are like some of the best europe fish shows ever so they when they leave here they continue on to to continue kicking ass but um matt can we can we agree that maybe the sound was slightly different at the end of 97 or are you sticking
1: to your guns (laughs) yeah i i think that uh I hear what you're saying Um, that there was definitely some progress as the tour went on. Um, I guess what I'm thinking is everybody says fall 97 and immediately jumps to the funk. Um, But Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. if you were to completely out of context, play somebody a good chunk of the Auburn Hills tweezer, right? That doesn't sound like, you know, eventually you get the Isabella, section in the in the funk mm-hmm. that happens after that but the tweezer itself is kind of of this this ilk the sheets of sound um, the mm-hmm. very deliberate moving forward of, as a band and as, as a unit instead of um, you know a distinct funk sound or a distinct kind of machine gun tray sound or anything like that
0: that's fair it was, All right, it we'll, was keep, there. we'll keep pondering um, so besides the three song encore anything else you guys want to say about about the third before we move on to before we take a road trip up to Providence.
2: That's a tweezerless reprise that, you know, deserves more than just a besides all that, I mean, it's it's pretty <laughs> it's a pretty sweet ass encore.
0: It was. Yeah. Okay. It was there, I've we, said it. We were rocking. It's it's pretty awesome. I mean
1: that you know, once again you've got the one of the most well-known jams uh and you know in the second set with the roses and then like maybe like the most memeable moment ever in fish history with that twee prize once again <laughs> getting back to the great video but Trey's, like rooster walk i mean how confident as a rock star do you have to be to just be you know walking around like that on stage at the end of a show it's it's amazing they knew it they knew how on they were that night yeah they they yeah, did, they
0: did. They're like nothing else to do now but play a Twizy Reprise, which sets us up well to talk about the next show. Um, I don't really remember driving up to Providence or or very much specifics, many specifics about this trip in general, but I do know that, um, that next we went to Providence. Um, I think it's worth noting that um, that was the the night two nights before, the second and third, that was the first, um, those were the first fish Nassau shows. Really? So that's cool. I think so. Yeah, they didn't play. I mean, they didn't play there before that at all. And then, I was I was thinking about the Providence Civic Center, obviously, because I was thinking about the Providence Bowie. So that's no, what you've never thought about that. before. <laughs> never thought about it. But yeah, so so they they play their first shows at Nassau, and then they go to to Providence, where they've only played two shows before ninety four and, and ninety five. But um, you know, different vibe, different oh. different crowd, but still like part of this same run. Did, does this show do these two shows feel different from the first two to you guys, or do you feel like they could have all been played in the same venue and it wouldn't wouldn't you wouldn't have noticed
2: they sound like a uh the third and fourth shows of a four night run
0: yeah mm-hmm. definitely yeah i think the like obviously the venue's totally different but but i think the the crowd i think was pretty much like. On tour, you know, which is pretty cool. It's not like a lot of people came down from wherever just to go to two shows. Like, if you're going to do it, you're going to do the whole run. At least most of the people that, that we knew well, and talked to. So The, th-
2: the thing about it is, is that it was, you know, a Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday. So... If you're gonna to go to Friday, and of course you're gonna to go to Friday, you might as well go to Thursday, and then you're gonna to go to Saturday. You might as well you got to go to Sunday,
0: unless you're unless RJ you're right. and his weird friends. <laughs>
2: you know, so oh, it was. By a weekend. the way, that includes we Brad,
0: out. so don't let Brad off the hook because he was with me. Um, oh, but but well, was Brad's but, not here? To was berate. Brad
1: pro Sunday night or anti Sunday night? That's that's, that's a great
0: question. I mean, it's a really good question. I it think all hinges felt- on that. I think at age 19, honestly, we felt like we were getting away with murder, you know? I mean, we didn't murder anyone, but, I mean, oh, just... Was just a quick backpedal. <laughs> Let's explore this some more. <laughs> the murder that happened that night in Providence has nothing to do with us. But um, I think we were, like, we were in our first year of college, you know, we probably all were, like, a little scared that, like, if you miss classes, you're going to, like, get in trouble. I think one of my one of my friends must have had an exam or something, and I think he was the one driving... I do know that five of us drove back starting this night on the fourth after the Encore started our drive back to Columbus. Five of us in a Honda Prelude. How many of you arrived back in Columbus? Everyone, as far as I know. Okay. Um, and what time did you get back? <laughs> um, you know, mid morning the next day. It was it was straight through, and I think my friend Brian, who who drove us, we didn't have a way to get back to Columbus otherwise because we drove out with another friend who was not going back to Columbus. So I think that's probably the how it happened, and Brian had to leave Saturday night to get back for a Monday morning thing. Oh, Brian! Did
2: that Did that degree even do you any good? I really hope it did.
0: I think you it know? did. He's 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 a listener. Um, we love so him. So I'm, I'm asking him directly, and uh, I hope
2: it has done him much good.
1: That Brian, yeah, call, call us. That better have been a really really early whatever he had to do because I'm looking at Google Maps. You've got an 11 hour and nine minute drive. I mean. You could have gone to Sunday night. There was five of you in the car. You could have split up and just kept fucking driving. I don't know. That's true.
0: It's true. And you know, it, I, I will amateur say that, is What I'm saying. Says for the, people, says who, the two
1: guys who didn't see any of these four shows. <laughs> for for I, people who've listened to this podcast I was before, fifteen. I
0: went to date ninety seven on Sunday night, and I drove back at two in the morning to Columbus. I got there at four. Took my first ever college exam at eight, so I don't want to hear it. That's my that's my awesome skipping college story to see I drove fish. Although it's back it, and forth
2: to ODU for two of three nights at the dead at Cap Center, and and my uh, ODU diploma is yet to arrive. So, um,
0: <laughs> so Brian made the right choice.
2: I'm, I'm not saying he made the right choice.
0: I'm just right, saying so you could have seen more fish shows. <laughs> Do you guys like? <laughs> Do you guys like Tweezer? I've, Sorry.
1: I've heard of that tune before.
0: <laughs> so they opened the night; they had to. There was no, I mean, you know, the in, it's in the venue obligated with people. It was like you know, obviously they're gonna play Tweezer. I think everyone probably expected it to be a second set thing, not a first set opener. But the Tweezer into the Taste, the Taste, very taste, tasty, taste. really, really good version. Um, I just I love that this two song combo is one of my favorites of the. The four
1: nights. Yeah, I would say, you know, the, the, the tweezer is really nice. Um, maybe this is the point in the run where you can say, okay, they finally had made like a slightly run of the mill set uh, for the remainder. Um, things get very, very interesting in set two, but um, after the tweezer, it's, it's very first setty. Uh, so mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. well, well played, but if you're going to talk about it within the context of these four shows, um, that's, this is probably like the offset.
0: Yeah. I think the Mike, um, Mike in the taste jam is really prevalent, but I think maybe throughout, we haven't really talked about Mike much. Um, throughout the whole run, he was just, man, pretty incredible. I feel like this was like you, like you guys both said earlier, like kind of peak a band a, they they could do whatever they wanted, but Mike really um, stands out to me in this, this show, but the second set. So, the wait, only wait uh,
2: ah, see,
0: <laughs> I knew it you're gonna do it,
2: well, they played Jinseng Sullivan, so it's it can't be a bad set.
0: <laughs> I don't think that's true, <laughs> I'm not, well, one to I'm just rank, saying, they but, played ginse
2: Sullivan, so that's good, so and that's limb, cool. limb by limb right after that. come on, where's your heart your Brez not here
0: Brez not here to defend limb by limb, so you know that's why i'm I'm
2: standing up, I'm covering his territory and mine, <laughs> yeah. You guys are um,
0: both bluegrass. Now too, you so, know it so, might yeah. be
2: the uh, might be the the lowest of the first sets on this run, but you know that's that's it's quite a bar. It's oh, a yeah. very high
1: bar. Oh yeah, yeah. You're I mean yeah. You're talking about it wasn't a gra- you're talking about dumbest kid at Harvard here. So <laughs>
0: uh, which uh, which. Um, I didn't know we were talking politics. <laughs> it wasn't a great it wasn't a great first set. But the no, tweezer to no, taste no, is wrong. awesome. So
2: wrong. No wonder you it went is, home. You decided you didn't like fish anymore. <laughs> You've been lying to us the whole time. You didn't even stay for you, the second yeah, set. Yeah, you, I was you was just like, say just you skipped the second, second set, it, guys. guys. Didn't
1: you? Didn't you?
2: <laughs> Let's go uh, home. It, they
0: played they played Funky they played bitch, tweezer. character zero. I'm out. They played tweezer. What else do I have to see? Um <laughs> so the um the second set opens with birds of a feather the second time in 2 days which i don't have the computing power to figure out something like that but it it must be fairly rare for a song to be played within within two shows right
1: pretty short cap yeah and and, and the I, and the only repeat on this run mhm so yeah
0: the only repeat too yeah um, and this one was it it really um grew from the from the first version I like the first version a lot because it's, um, I don't know, but this one's really good too. It's a great way to start a second set, right? Yeah. yeah what's it, like 15 minutes long? Yeah. Yeah. Got know. Stand. It understand. It's, it's pretty sweet. Yep. The, the 2001, I think, is. So what did you guys think about this set before we get into maybe the the brother, the most unique
1: unique part of it? Good set. Good flow really really good flow the birds uh, 2001 yeah it's it's really really great um uh i love this is one of my favorite 2001s it's really patient funky um you know kind of kind of gets there uh of note uh before we talk about the brother this is the last of the old style ghost uh mm. after this they come up with a newer groove and then this summer they debut it so yeah, it won't if happen you like ever the, again the, the, Punchier, funkier version of Ghost, uh, the, the the older arrangement. This is it. This is your last time to catch it. Never. But also with the longer the longer intro, right? No, no, no. no. This is the one that just starts uh, with the with the lyrics. I mean,
0: sorry. With the yeah, this one is the last before they do the longer intro. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Right. Okay. okay. So the so the June third those Europe shows in '98, they are the they have more of the the intro to them. Yep. Yep. Cool. That's awesome. Interesting to know. I like when they just fucking bust into it, to be honest. But you know, what are you gonna do? I grew up on I grew up on ninety seven. You know, it's just that kind of person. Um, one of our our listeners um, and someone who who we follow on Twitter, um, his name's Mike Jett. He can he contributed something to to the Bakers Dozen stuff um, earlier earlier this summer with a couple audio reviews. But he um he he sent us a message that said that. The 4498 Birds 2001 is probably my top desert island jam, but I don't hear a lot of love for it, Um, which I think is interesting, but maybe that is, maybe that's common, maybe this is over, but just in the the run of shows between this and the fourth, it's like this and the third. It, this the show maybe does get a little bit overlooked. Do you guys think?
2: Well, you know, even in the context of the the show itself, the Birds two thousand one, which are uh, you know amazing, and you know Matt will certainly argue that it gets love because he's a, uh, has already said he's a huge fan of this two thousand one. But I mean, with this set, they they almost live up to the first set. So um, that that didn't work, that didn't really. <laughs> come off right but um <laughs> you know after coming off that first set you know they they come out and they just kind of blow everything up and uh, i think that it, it could be easy to overlook the birds 2001 when you have that big brother right after and that the ghost and the lizards is just i mean this stuff is there's some good meat on them bones sorry i'm doing a grateful dead podcast i have to talk folksy now
0: <laughs> um so the so, so the brother it's it's pretty different yeah that uh, so,
1: well i was gonna say jonathan tell, why don't you talk about this because this was your pick um you you want us to dive into the brother
2: yeah, um I, this thing just gets weird in all it it pushes all my buttons so if i listen to anything i probably listen to this I couldn't sing it for you note for note because I've just put so much stuff up in that, up in there that I, I I'm not sure which version I'd be pulling out. But uh, it's a pretty unique, uh, drawn out version, and then and then it's followed by the little like the so-called radio-friendly version, which is because they they kind of, um, the you know they play the groove the right speed <laughs> actually. They, when they when they do the radio friendly, they were like, "All right, uh, it really goes like this." Wah, 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 wah. And, um, and whereas during the the extended version, it's a little bit more laid back, maybe a little more fall '97.
1: So this is the really the only jammed out brother ever. Yeah. Uh, It's, it's twice as long as pretty as any other version that's ever existed. Um, And that's not even counting the little reprise at the end. Um, And the funny thing is when you listen to it, it's almost like, like why this groove is just like ripe for them to jam on, particularly in this period of time. So it's kind of surprising that they hadn't done it before and that they didn't do it again. Um, Cause that's really, they really just kind of hang on the groove. And like you said, Jonathan, it's a, it's a little bit slower. So maybe that's what makes it more conducive. Whereas like, particularly in, in the older days before this one, you know, ninety two, ninety three versions of brother were just like, you know, played it like 160 BPM and like super, super, super fast, ripping. but super fast. Yeah. yeah. Uh, and, and more of like a guitar aerobatics kind of display. Um, but yeah, like I would love to see them do something like this again. It's, it's, it's pretty awesome. Yeah. The, I
0: think we should talk about brother for a sec because they, the version of on December 30th of 2017 while not jammed out was very interesting. Um, and the last version before that was Bader Field, two thousand twelve. So I've seen the last two versions of Brother, which is why I think it makes sense to talk about. No, but the,
1: the
0: <laughs> just wave that card the, around. The the Father's Day one was I think the Bader Field, right?
1: That was one of many, one of several Father's Day of, versions, of, right? Yeah, yeah they did it. Yeah, yeah, Several Father's did, Days. Yeah, but in that a was row. that was the that was the last Father's Day one. Um, but yeah, I've also I also was at the last two. Yeah. What about you versions. Jonathan.
2: Uh, I saw it at one of the Portsmouth shows most recently, I think. Twenty eleven. Twenty eleven. Likely yeah.
0: story. Yeah. Oh, that's where this is where Matt does his set list stuff. I get, what's, it, what's turns out there's this today?
1: there's this remarkable online resource called Fishnet. Um Let me uh, tell you, Matt, back in back in my day when we had
0: set list competitions, we didn't have Fishnet. God. We actually did. We actually did. <laughs> um, anyway, the the twelve thirty seventeen version was so good, um, just because that set was insane. But that's not what we're talking about. We're talking about this one. Um, the banter here before it goes into ghost reminds me of the twelve twenty eight ninety seven banter, which I don't know if you were at that show, Jonathan in Landover, but the yeah. the ghost of the machine and you know all that. Um, with feedback. It just remind. It's like spooky and weird, but, but also kind of awesome. Um, and in both in both cases, they go into ghosts. So maybe that's why. But the um, we started a new tradition today at my at my house because it was the first time we ever did Easter, uh, an Easter meal um, without either my my family or Rachel's family. So it was just our family and kids, and we were listening to this set. So now every Easter we get to listen to 4498 set two during Easter. Uh, Easter lunch or dinner, which I think is great. But once it comes into the lizards, it's just such a beautiful like um, like break in the weirdness, you know, and it's a really good and and fun, fun version. Um, And then things get get really weird again with Bowie. Um, But that set just, man,
1: these shows are fucking crazy. You know what I mean? Well, and they they actually could have ended the set after that lizards, too. Um, this is a, mm-hmm. for for 9798 standards this is a very very long set too the whole thing's uh about an hour and a half long um and they tended to skew a little bit shorter at, at that period so um i I wouldn't have been surprised and it w- would have been a great set if they had capped it off with the lizards after like you said a lot of dark spooky uh kind of stuff to you know take it to the the happy place with the lizards uh, would be nice but then we get Bowie as Amazing. long as it can yeah.
2: fit on an XL2, I don't complain about the length of the set. So,
0: I just got the XL2 hundreds. I'm not by you, you know.
2: Uh, no, it's been too <laughs> long. You just throw the encore at the end of the first set, and just you know, you'd know be fine.
1: <laughs> that's how that I way, that's how that I way, I set
2: one ends with character zero hood.
0: That's the folksy way to do it. <laughs> um, I don't think this hood gets enough enough love, though. It's it's long. Which, you know, for Hood that could mean good or bad But I think it's a really good version um, And a nice, nice encore to send us off on our on our drive to Columbus um, But you guys have heard this saying how, About how you should not go to Sunday shows, right? Is that why you didn't go? Cause yeah our, cause Brother, were, I
2: got some news for
0: you <laughs> People have been telling me <laughs> People have been telling me People were trying to make you, you feel do, good yeah, don't go to a Sunday show. It's bullshit. It's just money grab, etc. Um, so to me, guys, you guys can tell me I'm wrong because I, I will be wrong. But this is like this is the most overlooked show of the four for me because I wasn't there and because I didn't fully get to internalize it like the others. But th- there are pieces of this that I think are better than than any of the other three shows. But how do you guys feel like this show overall stacks up to the other? the other three as the last, last show of the run.
2: I'll say it's a really good show. I say it stands well with the others and it's got, it's different. You know, one of the nice things about them doing virtually no repeats on this run is that by the fourth night they're getting into some, some kind of interesting territory and some of the more, some of the more obvious jam tunes aren't really in play anymore. uh, But they still do a fine time of uh, getting out there and, making it work and you know you got an Okipa opener so it's it's good it's a good show no matter what
1: yeah i i, I would say the fourth if we're going to talk about like like an overlooked one the fourth is probably the one that's maybe slightly overlooked um uh this one has several standout moments that get talked about the cavern which we're going to talk about a little bit um okie pot into yam opener is pretty remarkable and and has been discussed I, I feel like a lot um and then the uh the maze shafty i mean before you even get into the cavern really it's when you talk about cavern you're talking about maze into shafty into possum into that funk jam into cavern so um that's a pretty pretty wild segment right there
0: yeah and i think um ACDC bag had not been played up to this point nor had Susie Greenberg or some of the other things that would typically come out of Ogie Pa um so i assume that people there were pretty uh were pretty amazed to hear uh oh, you enjoy myself come you know that early in the first set and a really really good um good jam mercifully because it's the early in the first set the vocal jam is pretty short and you know they they kind of get on Get onto the business of the set, um, so I, maybe they can do that more. You know, short, short vocal jam, yem. You know, early first set. Hater. Jonathan knows hater. <laughs> um, the Magrep is really good. The uh, but the I guess the first set segment that I think is um, like on re-listen, which is really good, is the bathtub in the cities. Um, just because they're, it's just like. They're just having a blast, you know. This in from the cities or in from the djinn the cities is just it's just super fun. Um, just feel like they're having a blast, but I definitely can feel that the, the second set when they're getting toward the end, it just the maze shafty possum cavern, as you mentioned, Matt. It's just weird. It's like it's almost like they don't really know where how they want to wrap this up and they don't want to stop playing because to play maze like you know halfway through a second set after a really high-spirited prince caspian and then all that other crazy stuff that happened it seemed like they were just like i don't know whatever let's just keep jamming that's what it feels like to me listening back
1: had this thing before about um, last nights or uh, in particularly second sets of last nights for them there a lot of times winds up being a feeling of like all right we like we know we got to go this is gonna be it but maybe we don't really want to go but we're also gonna kind of just make it real loose and maybe sometimes there's interaction with the audience and stuff like that but any, anytime I've seen like you know, like the third night of dicks or the last night of a run or something like that. Um, really anything outside of like the third set of a new year's run there winds up being this feeling of like, we're just going to kind of let it all hang out and not necessarily like push forward. Like we would with a lot of second sets and try and make some bold statement, but just like, let's just play and let's just, um, have fun with it. Um, and, and I think that's where they get to this. And I think maybe, you know, if I, if I, say that uh, something in particular gave me the impression that this is the end of the the 97 era it's this segment and the acknowledgement mm-hmm. that Trey actually like this is um this is probably the only time the band ever said anything from the stage at least about the funk right and acknowledging mm-hmm. like yeah we've been doing this funk thing for a while and we're just going to have people dance and all that kind of stuff and it's sort of just You know, it has this feeling of like, almost like you're you're at a club and a DJ is spinning and there's not going to be any particular end. Like the end is going to be just at a certain point when they have to stop playing, but there's not going to be a grand finale or a big finish or anything. It's just... It's just it's, gonna ke- it's gonna keep going, and people are gonna leave when they want to leave, when they can't stand anymore, when it gets too late, when they got to get back to their babysitter or something. But otherwise, we're just gonna be here, and we're just gonna play, and you know, we're, we're gonna do the thing.
2: And then at some point, the lights will go up, and yeah. we'll look at all the shit on the floor, and uh, yeah, yeah, and then it'll be done. Yeah. We'll and see it, you this
0: summer, and, as Trey says.
1: Yeah. And, and, and even if you stayed till the end, you might have been like, man, I got to be chill at the end. And then it ends. At the, and you're like, ah, oh, well, actually, maybe I should have just left like a half hour ago because there wasn't some big conclusion. Like, no, I mean, they do like wrap it up pretty nicely. And there's a, you know, nice boldest love encore. But I just always have. And, you know, RJ, you can't confirm this for us because you you weren't there, but um, this (laughs) vision in my mind of like, you know, I got to guess that this was like pretty hardcore fans seeing these four shows. But like, I wonder at a certain point, was there anybody that was like, oh, okay. He said, uh, that's it. And we can just kind of leave if we want to. And was just like packing their shit up and leaving or like, you know, people like starting to sit down and hang out or something like that. like. I don't know. It's, it's, it's just, pretty funny. It's a very, it's kind of a unique moment in like, in terms of fish shows, because they don't, there's usually like a, like I said, a big finish and stuff like that. And they're mm-hmm. here. It's just like, yeah, whatever, man. We're just going to play and do the thing. And I, I know he was joking, but it's, I don't know. I wonder if anybody actually took it seriously.
2: I, there's it's, There had to have been one guy who's like, oh, Trey said we should go now. Um, <laughs> yeah. we should, should, should we go? Now? And then all his friends are like, no,
0: Dave, we're staying. <laughs> Someone who, like, who <laughs> always he's peeking really hard on mushrooms. And he's like, sweet, finally I can get out of here. Um, Wait, I was getting hot. It, maybe we could, yeah. <laughs> It's the most, I mean, it's the most iconic moment of the island tour, right? Like this, I was listening to it today and said to my wife, which I probably said to her a hundred times, like, I wonder if people, like, actually were, like, sarcastically, obviously, like, yeah, so cool. Yeah. Oh, Trey said we should take off if we want to take off. Yeah, we're we're gonna go because because uh, otherwise we were just here because we were being polite. Um, it's just it's crazy, man. They were having so much fun, and the the send off to your point about the big finale. They didn't play slave on this run. That would have been a like logical end to a second set <clears throat> for a run like this. But they didn't. They didn't go there. They just like they finished the cavern and i don't know man it's so cool it's so fun to listen back to because they're because trey's clearly just like he doesn't want it to end you know Mm -hmm. and who knows what was going on backstage early 98 like they're they're partying you know i'm sure that they were i'm sure they were having a lot of fun when they were playing together
2: i think so and i and i and i know from anecdotal uh comments from from friends who were there that everybody was having a blast and it was it was quite a thing, and and I think that the "Bold as Love" encore is a sure sign that a they loved what they were doing; they wanted to give everybody something sweet, and b they didn't have a lot of time left, so they had to come out, kick out a a, a short little five minute "Bold as Love," and say, "All right, thanks, good night."
0: Yeah, one thing that I, I should have said um, earlier, which I didn't, because you talked about what was happening backstage, which I didn't actually see real backstage, but. Brad and I each threw in, I think, 25 bucks to, to enter a raffle to win a, two backstage passes and a um, sign, signed book through Mockingbird um, at the, the 4-2 show. And we, we, we got to go backstage and we went back there and we were in this like bar area sort of. It wasn't like backstage green room sort of thing. It was like just like the clinic. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, yeah, there were a lot of people back there. Mike was the only member of the band back there, and we were among, like, ten, 10, you know, young dudes he was talking to because, like, that sounds pretty sweet for him, you know, talking to a bunch of, like, 20-year-old dudes. But he was talking about... We were talking about the lights, and we were talking about, like, all kinds of weird stuff because it was Mike... And he was like, yeah, we've talked about whether we could have, like, one of those tennis ball machines that they have, like, that shoot, you know, serves to tennis players, like, in the back of the arena that just, like, shoot tennis balls on stage as part of, like, the show. What? And we were just like, that was, like, just the perfect um, introduction to, to Mike Gordon in person. So I just wanted to throw that in there. Um, so, guys, <laughs> does, this, does this Fortnite run, does it stand the test of time? Matt, did we, did you, did you learn anything on this, on this latest adventure? I know you were slightly skeptical of the 20th, 20th anniversary, but how do you feel about going back to these shows?
1: Oh, no, I mean, you know, once again, I, I, I said it at the top, like, I, I think this is, you could make a case for this being the peak of Fish's career. Um, you know, Big Cypress is the other one that, that, uh, comes into to discussion, uh, and some, some, uh, and new year's 95. I think it's like those three, depending on what camp you're in, you're probably going to pick one of those three things as being, um, and, and even I would say, take, take big Cypress out of the running. Cause that's such a, you know, anomaly, um, no. <laughs> well, I mean it's it's you know, you know right. in terms of around so obvious it's so, obvious it's, it's, it's so obvious it's so obviously the thing but like in terms of the regular touring life, I mean this is it's it's up there man. This is it's great. And 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 everybody knows it. Everybody we could probably not put any clips into this episode and everybody could hear it in their mind and they could see the videos in their in their in their mind and um it's just one of those things that you like I had happened to me when I was getting into the band, you know, just a year, year and a half after this, um, that people are just going to tell you Island tour, Island tour, Island tour, go listen to it, study it. Cause it's, it's, it's important. And it was amazing.
0: By And by run here, we mean like in a row, Not con- what, what what is the definition?
1: Not consecutive in the Billy Joel sense, um, mm-hmm. consecutive in the, uh, you know, it was four nights in a row that they played. Like we said mm-hmm. earlier, this could you could consider this entire thing as a as a unit. Okay, okay, I have some other entrance, but we'll do that another time. Jonathan,
0: <laughs> your I
2: completely derailed my train of thought on this whole like what is a run and the big cypress thing. <laughs> <laughs> I had something to say in summation. Um, I think that. Um, I mean, these shows hold up. They're so good. They're really in a in a space that, if not unique, it's really pivotal and blends what was yet to come and what was just not very far behind them. They really, I mean, fish was throughout this this whole decade. They were constantly a moving target and a shifting organism. So, uh, this is just a nice spot to find them. And I think in in five years for the twenty fifth anniversary, we'll probably have to do like an eight episode retrospective focusing on each set, <laughs> Every and scene, um, yeah. yeah, and we'll get CJ on and uh, and we'll make him talk about RJ's least favorite set, um, and then <laughs> uh, and we will be able to grill uh, CJ on the Ginseng Sullivan.
0: <laughs> uh, well, I just. I do want to say about CJ that he was on HF pod plus last spring, talked about Island tour. So if you guys want to hear CJ talking about Island tour, go to patreoncom slash HF pod. That'll be my plug. The, the, my one takeaway, which I hadn't really thought about before this time going back is how amazing it must've been for them as a band at the time, right? Like they, they finished New Year's 97 and they're like, I'm sure it was Trey who's bored and like, Let's go play some shows, and like suddenly they can just book four shows, you know, four consecutive nights over a long weekend at Nassau Coliseum and Providence Civic Center. I mean, it's not like booking four shows in a row on a whim at MSG or or another like you know huge venue, but these are like this is serious shit. They're just like sudden. I mean, it happened in a what two month period probably, mm. and then at the end of the night of the fifth, they know that their next show is in. Copenhagen. They're playing a Europe tour. He said see you this summer. So clearly they they already have that all planned out. I mean, this is just like this is kind of peak Fish in terms of one point oh Fish, right? Like they're like they're fucking they're on the top of the world, man. They have they got this '97 historic kind of tour in terms of momentum, and talent, and precision, and the, they just it's just amazing. They must have been. This must have been a really, really great time to be like on the bus, you know, or, or on the various buses. They were just, they were, they were at the peak.
2: I think it, uh, it goes back to what Matt was saying about the Tweezer reprise and Trey stomping around the stage as they're playing it. They were embodying arena fish. They weren't growing into it. They weren't transitioning from theaters anymore. They were that and they were, they had full control over it. Um, the five of them, including Chris and his lighting rig at the time, you know, they, they had it all dialed up and they were all communicating well, musically on stage. And it's just, it's outstanding. Just good fucking band.
1: Yeah. And here's the other thing about that. And, and I, I had this thought the other night, um, listening to the roses, um, if you're going to say anything sounds different about this run, I think it's the fact that, you know you, what you do, what you do, um, <laughs> uh, as opposed to so many other tours where when they hit their stride, it's because they're deep into a tour and they've been playing together for weeks. Um, and they're on the big stage and they're kind of living that and they, they, they kind of get used to everything. This, run of four shows has that same vibe because they've been playing together so much leading in, leading up to it. Right. Writing new material, recording uh, new, I don't know if they were starting to record or not yet, not, um, but getting into, um, you know, spending so much time together and saying like, we've got, we're pen up, we need to get this out there. But the way that they were playing together, was the four of them in a tiny room, no PA system, listening to each other, um, kind of hearkening back to, you know, the okipa ceremonies of the early days of playing in a darkened room, just the four of them together exploring. And this is like we've talked about in the past. I forget which episode it was where where somebody made a comment about like any time that they get together in a tight formation, it sounds different. Was that you, Jonathan? Um, Yeah, that's
2: something I have said.
1: About you know like the like the um, uh, the Halloween set in Vegas the 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 haunted house set or like the the hourglass thing or like the Tower Jam or something like that. The the, and the Japan
2: shows, I think, is what the, I was specifically talking about then, but also yeah, those as well.
1: So like getting them in that formation for God knows how long they were working through this stuff on their own in Vermont taking that to the stage but it feels at times like they didn't feel like oh now we have to play like arena fish like they translated that directly to the stage and i think that was what i thought about during the roses jam is there's no feeling of like we need to Knock this out of the park because there's twenty thousand people here, and we want to, you know, rock their world. It's just like we're gonna listen, we're gonna play very, very intently um, to create something, and we're gonna we're we're gonna feel the closeness of each other. Oh, it happens. Just so happens that there's a lot of people watching us right now, but ignore that. Um, and there's that feeling on stage, I think, during the entire run. And so, if you're going to say that, you know, it sounds different than, than other shows, maybe that's it. Maybe it's because they're not playing to the back of the room. They're just playing on that stage.
0: Yeah, that's a really good point. And so, can I ask you one last question? And this is more for my curiosity than anything, but why do you think that so few 98 shows have been released? Because we go into summer 98 and fall 98. There's so much that I think is like a little bit overlooked mostly because they've been, um, there just haven't been a lot of like releases. There's the, there's a couple that, that have come out, but what's the, what's the strategy there? Like, is it just that they're like just waiting for the right time to release all these amazing shows?
2: I think that's probably it. I mean, there's what like 11 on the, uh, live fish app, uh, 11 shows, um, still waiting for the lemon wheel. Mm-hmm. Please.
0: Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> Now's please. the time where we go through and we ask for all the all the downloads, <laughs> all the all the releases we want. Um, but I don't know. I, I don't. I just think it's it's a year that's a little bit overlooked, and I wonder if there's like I don't know method to the madness, or if it's just like how it goes. A lot of covers to get uh, clearance of.
1: Yeah, that's what I was mm-hmm. going to say. I wonder if that's a if that's a blocker for some of the summer shows, but it shouldn't be. I mean, they put out so many covers anyway. I don't know, but yeah, it's a very well, going to know. It's a very good point. And the shows that have come out from '98 are all excellent. On uh, some of my yeah. favorites,
0: the the summer of '98, uh, people should go back and listen to every show. I think um, there's a, there's a I think there's a story that develops over the course of the summer '98 tour that we can talk about another time. Um, but really great start to a really great year. So Matt, Jonathan, thanks for sharing your wisdom and perspective with us. Um, as always, and and our chair for Brad, um, we miss him, and we wish him good tidings. On um, Brad just texted me and said he had he was drinking and playing cards. So that's good. That's good. You know, it's not hanging out and talking about fish with with his nerdy friends, but it, but it's not bad. It's, you know, a nice, yeah, no. nice
2: life.
1: Yeah, it's <laughs> actually. Maybe we should think about um, doing that. <laughs> <Weird>. no, exactly.
0: <laughs> Fuck this shit. All right, everyone, thanks for listening. We appreciate your support. Check us out on the internets. You know where to find us Twitter, Facebook, email, etc. We're at hfpod.com on the interwebs. And um, check out osirispod.com for lots of cool stuff, um, podcast related and otherwise. What else, guys? It's up to you to tag it. (laughs) All right, everybody. (laughs) Keep on rocking.
1: What we are
2: This podcast is In The Loop, the Legion of Osiris Podcasts. What does that mean? Osiris is a community of great music and culture podcasts. If you like this one, go check out others at osirispod.com and get In The Loop. Osiris is partnered with Relics Magazine at relics.com. Without the ones like you who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants. They all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, com, or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.
1: Out there.
2: Yes, hello out there, everyone. I'm Hal Schwartz. And I'm Flynn McClain. So please subscribe to Nemo the Brave on your favorite podcasting platform. And we hope to see you further on up the road.
1: Thank you so much. We'll be seeing you.